Hi guys, this is episode 16 and today I'm talking to Tom from Tom's Talks. If you go onto Instagram and type Tom's Talks, you'll be able to find him. He's such a lovely guy. I'll say that about everybody I interview. (laughs) But no, I mean, he's really nice. His brother passed away in 2015 and he basically is coming on to talk to me about that and how he got through that with the help of his family and, you know, getting rid of that stigma that men's mental health isn't a thing you know that you can't cry if you're a man you've got to man up and be tough you know he's really trying to end that stigma he does all these talks around schools across the country so please give him a follow um, and support him but yeah this is our conversation and i hope you enjoy it Hi, Tom. hello how you doing you all right hi nice to talk to you you too how's things yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Not a problem. So, uh, tell us a bit about yourself then and what made you start doing what you're doing now. So, yeah, my name's Tom. I'm 24. I live in uh, Barnsley in South Yorkshire. Um, the reason I do my mental health work and uh, do the talks within schools and everything else, um, when I was 19, so it was actually five years ago last Monday, um, unfortunately, I lost my brother. Um, we he'd he'd had a, a long addiction to ketamine, um, and then this led to an argument that I had with him, and then sadly, ten fifteen minutes later, I, I found him and he took his own life, um, and then two years later, I so I, from that point, obviously it was as you can imagine it was horrific and it was devastating for the family and it was a, it was awful, um, and then time is was a healer i guess um things things kind of got easier um and we kind of cracked on and, and sort of started living his lives again and then two years later um it, when it was coming up to the second anniversary of liam's death i uh, i started really struggling with my mental health um and everyone that knows me i'm, I'm quite a a confident character um quite happy and, and bubbly the majority of the time and and then I started going into these days where I was really down and um, really upset over nothing. And, and ultimately, it took me a long time to admit it, but I was, I was really depressed at this point in my life. Um, yeah. And then there was one particular evening, and I remember it clear as day. It's obviously something you never really forget. I, uh, I was very close to taking my own life. I'd, um, I'd been at the local pub um, in Penniston, where I'm from. I, I'd obviously I'd had too much to drink and then I walked home that evening and the only thing I was thinking on the way home was just should I should I end it all should I take my own life that was the only thing that was thinking I was gonna like end this the way that I was feeling sort of thing yeah um but it it, it kind of it sounds strange but I had like a voice in my head that said don't you dare do that like if you do that then your family's just going to have to go through exactly what they went through two years previous with Liam. Yeah. Uh, and then I woke up in the morning and I kind of thought, like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, I can't believe that that was the way I was thinking, but it was obviously the way I was thinking. And, um, like, the time, the days kind of went on and, and I was still really down and stuff. Um, and I was living with my dad at the time and he kept noticing more than anyone because I worked with him and I lived with him. And he yeah. kept like saying, like, what's up with you? What's up with you? Um, and we was at this uh, business event together. Um, 
and it went really bad. It, it was it was kind of for me really. Um, it was for my area that I covered in sales for the business, um, and it went really bad. And it just added to my upset even more. And I was in a full suit, and my dad just went, "Tom, what the fuck's wrong here?" And I just burst out crying in this like conference thing with all these like quite important people in this room, like yeah. in this full suit. And my dad just looked at me and I'm like, what? Like, he was like looking at me like completely shocked. Um, and the best thing he ever did was he, he took me up to um, this bench that we had made for Liam, uh, this memorial bench at the back of his house where we played where we were younger at the top of the field. And he took me up there and we spoke for ages and ages and I just offloaded and cried and, and just said about everything really that was wrong and things that weren't even a problem and just yeah I just had a really long chat and and everything was kind of like a weight had been lifted off my chest yeah uh, and I didn't get better straight away but eventually I kind of got to where I am now um so that's really why I do everything mental health wise because I just I won't want any other family to go through really what we went through um so yeah that's that's a little bit about me <laughs> wow so it's crazy isn't it how just because I've had those talks before where they're not really planned, but they happen and you talk for like hours with someone yeah. and you just feel so much better after it, don't you? Yeah, 100%. That's that's the main thing that I always try and push across in my talks is that when I did talk to my dad initially, it was the, the reason that made me feel better was talking. And yeah. it was admit like the first thing was admitting I wasn't okay. And, and then the second thing was, was talking about it. Um, and that's the thing that I always try and push across through social media and, and in my talks within schools and everything. And that like, those two things there are kind of the first things that you've got to do to to try to get yourself on track to feel better, really. So did you think when you said that you then, two years later, had your own issues with mental health, do you think that was because of you how you lost your brother? Or do you think... It was a few mean- things, to be honest. Um, at the time, I was really struggling in a relationship that was been on and off for, for quite a number of years. Um, mm. I'd, I'd not it was coming up to the second anniversary of Liam's death and now I look back when Liam died I did grieve but not probably as much as I should have done um, yeah. like one of my best friends George he always says to me he says you never grieved properly when Liam died because you didn't want to accept the fact that he'd gone and you just threw yourself into work with because I work with my dad and we, we have a family business together where we sell furniture um, and that was one of the factors that I did I didn't grieve properly. Um, so yeah, relationship problems, not grieving properly. Obviously, they're coming up to the second anniversary, so yeah. it was October. It was a shit time of the year, any weather wise, and and obviously thinking about Liam and and then also I was I was kind of having problems at home, not with my dad especially specifically, but um, my relationship with my stepmom. Um, I, I kind of I don't dislike her. I don't really have a relationship with her as such I do no that, that sounds a bit tight I do have a relationship <laughs> with her um I just at the time like I felt I didn't really feel welcome in my own home even though it was my family home where I'd been brought up um yeah. and that was played a bit of a part on things um so yeah just just that really those, those were the main key reasons I guess so what do you do you think like um did any of you go to therapy after losing your brother yeah so when Liam died, everyone was just like, you need to go talk to someone, you need to go get some kind of trauma therapy and, and whatever else yeah. because of the, what I saw and everything. And uh, and I was like, yeah, no, like I was never saying no to it. 
I, I said yes straight away, but it was only, I, I think I only did two sessions. I was like, this is shit, I'm not doing this. Like, I just I sacked it off too quickly, I think. I didn't I didn't give it enough time to uh, to kind of work, really, I don't think. Um, yeah, or, I, or I should have chosen someone else. Yeah, and it, and it is an awkward thing, as if you've never had it before, sitting next to someone, a complete stranger. Yeah. You know, telling you all that it is awkward and uncomfortable and... Yeah, I think that it, it kind of stemmed back to the fact that I uh, I didn't grieve properly. I kind of just wanted to forget about it and move on as quickly as I possibly could. And yeah, ha- yeah, and having that therapy, it just kept bringing everything up. So yeah, but I, I I do say in my talks, I just say like it didn't work for me, but it's not to say that it wouldn't work for someone else. Like everyone's different, and it might have not been that person that would have worked, but I should have given maybe a bit more time and another chance with somebody else, and that might have helped me. Um. But yeah, the person at the time, I just thought, no, this is not for me. What would you like say to someone that's going through the same thing that have, that has lost a family member that you wish that you would have maybe done differently? Like I, I suppose, as you say, like trying to grieve properly and not sort of bury it. I suppose. Yeah, definitely. The advice I'd give to people in the same position as myself back then is is do do like do grieve. Like it's okay to be upset about the situation obviously like don't try and rush things don't try and rush moving on really uh, because that's what bit me in the ass eventually because I, I didn't grieve and I, I just tried to forget everything and, and move on as I quickly as possibly could and then in, and, and in the end that's what kind of really um, affected my mental health later on down in the line um, obviously yeah. lo- losing a family member is, is an awful experience anyway but in in the in the experience that I had, it, it's just the worst thing possible, really. Um, and that's what I should have kind of realised at the time is that for me to be upset and, and to to not be okay is okay, and and it's going to take a long time for me to get over something like that. So that would be my advice, really. But also with that, there's, you've, there's the other, also the other side of it is that don't just sit around and and be upset constantly like you do have to kind of keep yourself busy in in some ways like do grieve obviously and do you are going to be upset and you are not going to be okay but you don't want to just be sat around all day every day just thinking about it really you need to have a kind of somewhat of a of a balance in life like obviously the first initial weeks of it happening are not going to they're going to be the worst weeks they are the worst weeks It's, it's fucking horrible um but you are going to have to kind of sort of ease yourself back into normal life or or some somewhat like that so it's it's trying to have a bit of a balance really with that um do grieve and obviously it is going to be horrible but um don't try and just sit around and just be upset all day every day because that's not definitely going to make anything any better yeah i think it's like you know if something like that happens so so traumatic it's like it is uncomfortable and just horrible to like sit in that grief, isn't it? Oh so yeah, definitely. Why people do want to sort of push it to the back of your head and just try and get on with life? Because who wants to have to feel those feelings? I mean, it's like the worst possible mm. thing imaginable. So, but like you say, you have to in order to be able to get to that happy place in the in the future. Yeah, of course, of course, and 
the thing for me as well that, that what really helps me now is 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 not talking about it in detail but is talking about like with yourself now like i'll come off this podcast with yourself and i'll 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 feel really good and i'll feel really like a bit of a buzz and it's the same when i do my talks within schools and stuff when i talk about it and i get like, and i speak openly about it i, I feel so much like a lot better after it's, it's kind of a weird feeling really i suppose the way of explaining it was to kind of be like when you leave the gym and you have those endorphins um it's for me it's the same kind of feeling so talking about it it's like going back to when i said talking about it, it on the bench with my dad it's the same thing now really talking about it just makes me feel a lot better really so definitely so what is your experience about you know what you do you think about men's mental health because i know obviously as a woman i i don't know um, what men through but i suppose it's harder for them in a way to open up because of the whole you know like don't cry yeah Anna, yeah there's, def- there's definitely a stigma around it unfortunately um and going, I, I keep going back to my talk but yeah this is a massive subject that i talk about yeah. um and, and it is unfortunate we do have this stigma around us as men that we we can't talk and we've got to be okay all the time and we have to be the man of the house and and man up and and all this stuff and it's funny, really, in my talk, I'll try and shut the stigma down and just say, I think it's a lot of bollocks. Like, as a, I'm six foot six and I'm quite a well-built guy and people often look at me and think, oh, he's he's never gets upset looking at him. He's, he's living his life. But I actually cry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, cried, uh, I cried when the dog died in Mali and me. Uh, I cried when the Iron, Iron Man died at the end of Avengers. Um, I cried when the guy died at the end of Prison Break. Um, yeah, I'm quite an emotional person, really. <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and I say that, and then you get all these young lads in the audience, and they're all looking at me like, "Fucking hell!" Like if he can turn around and say that, then I can really. And I, I use um, Tyson Fury as a as a and as a person as well in the same kind of. He's obviously a boxer, and he's six foot nine or whatever, and he's the heavyweight champion in the world. And obviously, people look at him and think, "Wow, he's the epitome of what a man is, really." And mm. he even came out and said the same, like, he, he was struggling and he was suicidal and he cried and he wasn't okay. So I used myself and him as an example, really, just to say that if we can turn around and say that, then, like, anyone really could, could to be honest. Yeah, definitely. What What would you, like, say to those guys with that tough exterior, you know, to, like, help them be, be more emotional and just let themselves, like, go in that way? Uh, just... just... Just to say that as a man, it, it's, it's a strange one because it, it always stems back from like hundreds of years. Like men have always been the breadwinners in, not always, sorry. They've been they've been stereotypically the people that will go out and, and get the money for the families. And it's yeah. stemmed back from hundreds of years. And, and unfortunately, it still, it still is the case today. And uh, people always see men in, in the family as the, we turn to the men and, and they're, they're somewhat supposed to be the people that make everything okay um mm. and it's not the case at all and i suppose i'd just say to people just like if you're not okay it's okay it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or whatever it's just it's it's fine to not be okay either way um i do say in my talk though it's quite funny i say it. it's not to say that women aren't like the, the women aren't upset or, or women don't struggle it's just that if anything like my sister they just never show up <laughs> 
So, but yeah, it's just it's just the way we are as men, really. But not myself. I, I I'm quite an open person, and like I suppose you could use them um, the difference. Like myself, I'm very open, and I kind of have always been quite open, apart from when I was struggling with depression, really. Um, but my brother, uh, so there's in my family, uh, there's myself. I, I'm the youngest, um, and then there was our Liam, and then Gemma, my sister, and then our Alex. Um, and me and our Alex are polar opposites. Um, he still is very now. He's very enclosed. He's, he doesn't really talk about his feelings. Like I'll always, I'll always leave the room if I'm with him. I'm like, it's in a bit, mate. Love you. He'll be like, right, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the way he is. And unfortunately, that's just how some men are. And it is, it is uh, very difficult to to break that, to break that those barriers down. But it is just a case of breaking the barriers down as much as you possibly can. Um, yeah. like just saying if, if you are ever not okay it's okay that you're not and if you do want to talk about it we can kind of thing yeah, yeah. I mean even me with uh, my daughter's four and you know I won't if, I, if I'm crying over something or I've seen something sad on the TV like I won't stop myself crying because she's there yeah. like I'll just cry anyway and you know if she asks me like what's wrong like I'll just I'll be honest and tell her because yeah. I think it's important to not always show that strong side of yeah me. definitely because you know she needs to see that it's okay to cry and it's okay to get a bit upset sometimes yeah definitely i um i kind of i did something similar i didn't really mean to actually it was kind of weird how it all, all how it panned out um at the beginning of lockdown i kind of i thought straight away i thought right i really i need to do something here to help people that are struggling with mental health because obviously social interaction is vital for people's mental health so when everyone's cooped up all day it's it's difficult for people that don't struggle with mental health never mind people that do so I kind of thought to myself right what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my talk that I deliver I'm going to do it on Instagram live um so I did and in all the talks I've done so I started back in January 2019 I've never ever choked up and I've never got upset when I talk about what happened with my brother and I was literally just sat on my on my stairs with my phone um at the opposite like on this shoe rack thing and I started talking and I started getting into it. And I'm like, yeah, this is going really well. I'm looking at the comments. Everyone like, yeah, doing a good job. And then I got into the the bit talking about what happened with my brother. And I just I just burst out crying. Like, I was proper uh-huh. upset and I couldn't stop crying. And, and I thought to myself, this is me being me. Like, this is this is the real me. So I was like almost, I like thought like, I need to just get off this now. Because I look like a bit of an idiot. But then I thought, <laughs> no, like, this is me. Like, if people can see the real me, then... And people can see me crying and hopefully that'll encourage other people out there that they can also be upset and the time that we're in now it's definitely more than okay to feel not okay because it is a it's a fucking hard time that we're going through so I, yeah it's the same as you like i thought i'm not gonna just i'm not gonna sit here and pretend that i'm not okay when i'm not do you know what i mean so Definitely. And I think that's the interesting thing I've been saying about this whole pandemic and that, that people that wouldn't have necessarily have gone through anxiety or depression, like those people are feeling it Mm. now because of maybe like, you know, they've been furloughed, they don't have any money, they've lost their jobs. And it's quite the perfect time really to really be open and talk about it because more people are going through it and understanding what it's like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my my girlfriend, she's been working from home since is it March? And uh, yeah. she's, she said, to, like, she lives in Huddersfield and I live in Penniston, so it's about a 40-minute drive. 
and she'll come into mine all the time. And I was like, are you sure you don't want me to come to yours? I feel a bit bad that you're traveling. She's like, no, nah, I need to get out of the house. Like, I need to come to yours. <laughs> so that's just one person. Imagine what it's like for everyone else that's working from home all the time, every day. It's, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, definitely. You, you um, said I'm just interested um, that you've got a brother and a sister. How important was that, going through what you went through, like having your family oh, there? Oh, God, so or- important. Like, we were always a close family anyway. It's, it's, quite, it's quite funny, actually, thinking about Liam as a youngster. Like, all the way from growing up, um, Liam was always the mischievous one. He was always the one getting in trouble. Like, he's the only person in the family to get arrested and, and everything. Um, but we were always so close as a family like even through his ketamine yeah. addiction which started so when he passed away I think he was 22 and it, it started from the age of when he was 16 um, so it was like six years of of, of like abuse that he'd, he'd done to himself um, but even all the way through it like we stuck by him on, on 100% so we were always yeah. a close family um, but then obviously when he passed away it just brought us closer together I mean a lot of families could it just could have ruined them completely but Thankfully, you know, it just brought us closer together. And even to now, like, don't get me wrong, we have, we had, we bicker and we have the old argument and stuff, but we're, well, yeah, one of the closest families I know, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, to, if it wasn't for my family and my friends, I definitely, it would have made it a lot more difficult. Yeah, because I suppose that's that, you've got people there that, that knew yeah. him and going through the exact same thing. So I suppose that's so comforting. Yeah, definitely. I, I've, I've, I, I did then and I do now. I've got an unbelievable support network around me. Um, I, I, I do, I, I can openly admit how brilliant it is to have the people that I've got around me. Um, and it does make things a lot easier, definitely. That's good. What, so what do you think about um, social media and all that? I know that new documentary came out, The Social Dilemma, yeah. everyone's sort of talking about that at the minute what kind of impact do you think like is it just that out of curiosity is it the same for men like that it is for women looking at all these like people that have much better bodies than you think, and better houses do you feel the same i don't think it's as i think it is very uh, toxic for men as well um definitely i don't think it is as toxic um and it's funny that you asked this question because again it is something that i talk about in depth um I use uh, Kim Kardashian as an example. Like everyone looks at her as the pinnacle of what success is on social media, but like really, everyone knows why she's famous. Like <laughs> so, and the people look at her and they, they admire her. And yeah, don't get me wrong; she's an attractive woman and she's done well for herself. But like from the, from when before she was famous to now, like how much work has she had done to look the way she looks? Um, and then from the point of when she puts a photo on to when it actually goes on someone's timeline like what has she done to that photo for it to look like that and it's not just her it's, it's yeah. so many other people it's the same with men it's the same with women and it's fucking with everyone's heads because people are looking at mm. people like people are going on instagram like scrolling down the timeline and seeing all these beautiful girls and girl, and guys and with these amazing bodies and and whatnot and like you just got to think like it's not real like for one people people that look unbelievable they've probably got an eating disorder like, they don't look like that all year round. They probably work their ass off for 12 weeks to get that six-pack for one photo. Like, it's not real life. It's not sustainable, um, especially for guys. Like, obviously, as a guy, I'm really into the gym and, and I look I like to look as good as I possibly can. But when you go to the gym, you know that being at 5% body fat, it's not 
realistic it's not sustainable so when you've got all these fitness guys on there and you're thinking why don't i look like that for one they're probably on shitloads of gear and for two they probably look like that for maybe two months of the year the rest of the year they don't look like that so and and it's the same with girls as well like obviously for girls that look unbelievable it's yeah it's the same it's 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 sad really because as brilliant as it is social media for for a lot of ways like money and business and and whatnot and interacting with people and stuff like that it is so toxic like for the reasons i've just mentioned yeah i mean i think that they're doing some good things i've noticed over the past few months if you put um if you take a selfie and you've got a filter on it if you post that like it will say like what filter yeah, you've true. got on what you use and things like that i think it's so mm. important because it kind of just reminds you doesn't it yeah. when you're looking at it i'll actually they probably don't look like that. They've used the filter. Yeah, definitely, or... definitely. The other thing with social media as well is, and like you can look on my Instagram as a prime example. Like everyone always puts on the good things in life. Like everyone always puts on the amazing holidays, that brilliant night out, uh, like the amazing friends and stuff like that, and the amazing experiences. But no one ever puts on the bad shit in life. Like that's the problem like people go and look on people's instagrams and think oh yeah he's having a great time he's on holidays and a beef or he's out with the lads and like people can look at my instagram and think that and then i say right this is what happened to me and they're like no way i would have never believed that and then that's another problem because people always you can't believe everything you see like some life's not all sunshine and rainbows like people have good days and people have bad days but unfortunately instagram is everyone's good days and that's what people keep comparing themselves to yeah, definitely. I think, like, on my Instagram, I try so hard to, like, I'll post a story, like, if I'm feeling rubbish in bed, looking like absolute <laughs> shit. <laughs> Just to keep that little bit of, like, you know, realism. Yeah. Because I can't hypocrite on yeah. my page. You've got to, uh, you've got to. Um, and, and it's difficult sometimes, but I think that is definitely what's needed. Yeah. And more and more people yeah. are doing it, aren't I think they? more and more people have realised that we need to kind of, like as we move forward into the future, the Instagram is just going to be coming more and more of people's day-to-day lives. So if people kind of realise it now and trying to make it a bit more of a balance, then it might be better for people's mental health in the long run. Yeah. Oh, well, Tom, thanks so much for, for coming on. I really think this this will help people. And thank you for doing what you do, like all your talks and stuff. And I just think it's amazing. Oh, thank you. you. I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Yeah, where can people find uh, you? So my uh, Instagram uh, is at toms.talks underscore. Um, and then my Facebook one isn't the best, to be honest. But yeah, just follow me on my Instagram. And I uh, <laughs> post quite a lot on there. Or I, I am doing more recently, to be fair. So. Oh, right. How have you been during lockdown? Have you been able to, like, since March? Uh, do you know what? Be... Beginning of lockdown, I, I, I can't lie, to be honest. I went on a lad's holiday to Cancun, uh, literally. It was so weird, right? So before I went, I went the nine days before we went into lockdown. So we were in the airport waiting for the flight home, and Boris Johnson made the announcement that as of today, we are in lockdown. Oh yeah, so oh leading way. up to it, there was all this speculation of, obviously coronavirus it could be really bad we don't know what it's like we don't know how bad it's going to be and all me and my mates cared about was oh we i hope we can get on this lad's holiday um and, and <laughs> thankfully we did and we went 
Uh, and the first four days were busy. It was mint. We were just like drinking constantly. We we're having the time of his lives. Uh, and then after four days, like we kind of kept hearing things from back home and stuff. And then four days in, the hotel was dead. There was no one there. And we're like, what's happened? And then we realized, obviously, Cancun, it was all the Americans. Apparently, Donald Trump had made an announcement that if you don't come back to the States now, you're not coming back. So, <laughs> yeah, so it was dead. And then we kept hearing more and more back home. My sister kept texting me saying, oh, dad's on about shutting the business. It's getting really bad. Yeah, so oh, we were yeah. thinking, shit, we might not get home here. Uh, not that we really cared because we were sat on a beach, sunny weather, and we were just drinking beer, but... Um, yeah, the day that we got, we were coming home, we, I remember it, it was so bizarre. We walked into the airport, we looked up at the flight times, the destinations, and I'm not kidding, the, our flight was the only flight that wasn't delayed or cancelled. So, we, yeah, we managed to get the flight home and then came home. And then that was it. It was so weird. Like, we just came home straight into lockdown. So I came home, I live on my own. Uh, thankfully, my sister literally lives around the corner and she just lives with her partner, so... I kind of lived with them and then just stayed at my own house. Um, but it was yeah. difficult, very, very difficult. Um, but then I, I kind of, after a couple of weeks, I thought, right, you need to stop moping about watching Netflix all day, getting up at three o'clock in the afternoon and, and kind of get some, somewhat of a routine. So after a couple of weeks, that's what I did. I managed to get myself back into a routine and exercising as much as I could. And yeah, I was all right after that, to be fair. And I kind of focused my energy on other things. Yeah. Oh God. Well, that's gonna stay yeah, in your memory then. Oh God. Yeah. Day. My God. Oh yeah. well. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Nice you to too. Meet you over the phone. Yeah. Thank you very much for having <laughs> me. It's been a pleasure. All the best. Take All care. The best. See you later. Bye.